Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. So today, uh, you know, we will be using clips from Spider-Man Homecoming. How many of you watch it? Amen. How many of you have not watched it? It's okay. It will hopefully it won't spoil too much. Or if you're interested, this will make you want to go out uh, to watch it. And uh, but you know, today I want to talk to us about identity. Identity. And so if you're taking down notes, you can put down the title, Good Identity. Because we're also in this series of good, the goodness of God. And uh, I figured what better movie uh, to help us understand and unpack the whole concept of identity than, than superhero movies. Because the superhero movies always deal with identity, secret identity, public identity, personal identity. And the life that we live is not that different. All of us, we also have maybe two identities, okay? Now, before you think I'm talking about, you know, split personality, no, no, no. I'm talking about the identity, who you are as yourself and who you are perceived by other people. How many agree that there is this difference, right? You know, social media sometimes illustrates that. Have you been out with your friends before? And then they have, you know, when you take picture of them and they're very big on social media and one picture is not enough. Come on, right? They need five pictures, you know, and then they will choose which picture, you know, and they will only look at them and go like, which one has my best side? You know, and sometimes, you know, it's unfortunate. They choose the one that, you know, they look the best and then so happen that's the one where our eyes are closed, our chins are inflated, you know what I'm saying? But, but they don't care because as long as it makes them look good. You know, how many of you have been out with friends before? And when the food comes, wow, it's photo-taking time. You know, or maybe when they cook at home, it's photo-taking time. You know, and it doesn't matter how the food tastes as long as they get to snap a beautiful shot and upload it. You know, so sometimes the look of the food is even better than the taste of the food, right? Some of us have been to that kind of restaurant before, right? You go like, oh, the food looks good, but when you eat it, you go like, oh, oh, this is a real Instagram cafe. And, and uh, you know, we, we do that sometimes, you know, by the time we finally tuck in, the food is cold. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe some of us here, you know, again, to, to, to play up the public persona, to play up that public identity, uh, we will even go for expensive holidays. And we will go there. It doesn't matter. Iceland costs, you know, an arm and a leg to go. You will go. And uh, it doesn't matter if you have to sleep on the streets, you know, buy your own canned food to go there. You know, I, I heard someone, when they went to some of these fancy places in Europe, they brought their own rice cooker and they brought their own rice so that they could just eat rice. And, and, and because all the money was spent to go to those sites that they didn't have enough for the budget, but they said, it's okay. As long as we have the northern lights, it's okay. As long as I have my picture no near that beautiful lake, it's okay. It doesn't matter where, you know, all these other things, you know, we don't need to know, we don't need to worry about it. And that is who we are, you know. I'm just being honest because, you know, we are like that. We are, you know, not the most honest when it comes to identity. You know, we, we, we know who we are, but sometimes we also like to play up this other person so that we look better in real life than we, how we actually feel. And in fact, identity is something that it doesn't just affect us. You know, the whole world is being affected by it. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that the world is facing today is an identity crisis. You know, so much so that the terminology people use nowadays is no longer sexual preference, it's sexual identity. 
Because they understand it's not just about who I like or who I want to go out with. That is who I am. And so the world is looking for an identity. They're trying to look for something that would help them understand who they are. And in fact, yesterday I was in Bristol, and I kid you not, I, I read about this movement online before, uh, and I saw for the first time with my own eyes a bunch of furries. Furries, I mean, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, people who uh, dress up in animal costumes, furry animals, that's why they call furries. And, and it's not just cosplay where they dress up as their favorite what, no character, but no furries, when they put on the mask, they change their personality. They almost change their identity. Identity. And some people, you know, I've read documentaries where people who are very shy, they identify with the furry movement because I'm too shy. But when I put on that dog mask, you know, I put on the persona of the dog and dogs are friendly and dogs will go up and say hi to everyone. And, and while I'm an introvert in person, the moment I put on my furry self, I become an extrovert. But what that really is, is a search for identity. They're looking uh, to, you know, for an answer. Who am I? And, and why do I sometimes not always feel like I'm 100%? And so today, I want us to help us understand, you know, identity. And we're going to talk about identity. We're going to unpack about identity. Uh, and we're also going to look at how God defines our identity. And identity, let me give you three points in advance today. Like I said, today's title is good identity, but if you want to be a bit cheeky, you can put lessons from Spider-Man Homecoming. I, our identity, who we are, how we look at ourselves, our sense of self-worth is defined by things given to us. It's also defined by things taken away from us. And our identity is also shaped by the choices we make. Because say that one more time, our identity is shaped by the opportunities given to us, the things given to us, the things taken from us, and the choices we make. And these three things I've noticed shape our identity. But today, we're not here to talk just about identity, like I mentioned, but good identity. So in a while, we're also going to look at what has God given to us what has God taken away from us? And how God helps us with our daily choices. And if we can begin to internalize some of these truths from God, we'll begin to be confident in who we are as defined by God, not just the circumstances of life, not just by our own history, our own family, uh, but who God says we are. Amen? I know we came here for Blockbuster Sundays, and I know you're just itching to see the first clip. So, without further ado, let's fix our eyes on the screen. We're going to watch the first clip, and then I will come back with some scripture. Point number one, our identities shaped by the things given to us. In this clip that we just saw, Spider-Man, even though he had his power, he had his own crime-fighting style, he was given a suit. He was given an upgrade. And that boosted his confidence. That boosted his excitement. He was so excited. And in the same way, in life, our identity can be shaped by the things given to us. And no matter what our background is, there's definitely one thing that has been given to us, a name. A name. And I might not know all of your full names, but I can guarantee you that whoever gave you that name had good intentions. It must have meant something beautiful. 
And in fact, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, specific. Even all of us here, eventually one day, hopefully, maybe this is a prophecy, maybe this is a confirmation, you know, you're going to start your own family. And uh, you're going to want to give your children good names. Nobody here wants to give your children bad names, right? Come on, I mean, you don't need to be single to agree to that. In fact, well, let me just check. How many of you, come on, don't, don't be shy. You're not seeing anyone yet, but if you've got an idea what name you might give or what name, come on, come on, see, uh, uh, yeah, 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 that's good. That's good, don't be shy. You know, this church can be honest. In fact, I, I know, I know for a fact, you know, what name to give my son. I haven't figured out a name for our daughter yet, but I know that if one day I do get an opportunity to be blessed with a child, uh, then I know what name to give my son. Of course, I'm smarter than to tell all of you here, otherwise the teasing will not stop. Uh, but it's a good name. It's a good name. It's a name that, you know, I went to check the meaning. It's a good name that I went to check around. How many know what I'm talking about, right? With a name, it's never just about, you know, oh, the good meaning, but you should check around to, to see if there are other people uh, who have taken that name, other people who irritate you who have that name, right? Let's be honest. You don't want to give your child a name that reminds you of your enemy, right? So let's say if you have a friend, no, named George, who constantly bugs you, you wouldn't want to name your child that. You want to name your child the opposite of that. And, you know, so this, the same thing, all of us, we've been given names, we've been given opportunities. And I'm having this conversation with you here in the UK. A lot of us here are not from the UK. We have been blessed with opportunities to study here, opportunities to work here, opportunities to travel here, you know, opportunities. Those are other things that have been given to us. And once we've been given much, it forms our identity. Wow, you're so blessed. Wow, you're so, you know, loved when your parents give you extra allowance. Amen? You know, when your boss gives you a promotion, you go like, wow, you know, I'm appreciated. You don't walk around with identity, I'm a nobody. No, no, no. I'm appreciated. I'm loved. I'm respected. Now, we are shaped, affected by the things given to us. And sometimes bad things given to us, bad things that happen to us can also shape and form us. But instead of just living life and allowing the, the, the chance and circumstances of life dictate how we view ourselves and our self-worth, we also need to look at God. I'm here to tell you the good news that not only has life, not only has your parents given you God has given you. And the Bible is full of God's promises, full of God's purpose, full of God's blessings spoken over you, promised to you. So but today, I want us to just zoom in on one scripture that in a way condenses all of God's plans and promises. And I want us to understand that these are things, these are blessings, these are promises that God has given us and spoken over us. So if you're taking our notes, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1? verse 1 to 5. Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 5. And um, we're going to, with the help of XCV, we're going to use the New Living Translation because I find that that translation uh, is very helpful for today's message in terms of its choice of certain words and, and understanding. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, we have it on the screen. Thank you so much, XTV. Here we go. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people. 
So the first thing we got to understand is this, that God calls us holy. I, I love it that God doesn't call us or give us things that we deserve. We deserve to be called sinners. We deserve to be called useless. We deserve to be called selfish. And even as I'm saying this, it sounds harsh, but in a heart of hearts, we know that, yeah, that's right, I'm not a saint. And yet, God speaks goodness over our lives. So I want you to know, regardless of how you feel about God, where you are in your walk with God, whether you know Him or not, I want you to know, first of all, that we have a God and that God is speaking goodness over you. That God is prophesying gold over you. And it says here that, you know, I'm writing to God's holy people who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Again, God's grace. I know if I were to say, hey, how many of you here think that you are faithful? You know, I, I think rarely people would be confident to raise up their hand. But God speaks that over us. And God is not a fool. He knows our life. And yet He chooses, you know, this is again God's grace. You know what God's grace is? It's, it's undeserved blessing. You know, we deserve punishment, but God gives us salvation. So grace, you know, like when you're late for something. You know, nowadays I know everybody checks stuff online before they travel, check in online. But back then, before the age of internet, you actually had to rush to the counter to check in. And sometimes you're late by one minute and you're looking at the person and you're asking for grace. You're saying that, can you, can, you, can you grant me some grace? I know I'm late, but can you overlook my lateness? We do that with our, you know, university professors on the lecture sometimes. Ooh, can I have an extension, professor? Do you deserve an extension? No. But then you appeal and say, that even though I don't deserve it, out of the goodness of your heart, would you give, give me a grace period, prof? And sometimes you're granted that, sometimes you're not granted that. But I want you to know that when it comes to God, God's grace is new every morning. And He speaks to us. Even though we don't feel holy, you are holy. Even though we are not faithful, you are faithful. What is God doing? He's not lying to us, but He's trying to tell us that you can be faithful. I'm speaking it. You can be faithful. You can be holy. Come on, pick yourself up again and try again. What other things have God spoken over us? May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace again. God gives us grace, right? Our identity is shaped by things given to us. So there's grace given to us and also peace. Have you know that one of the powerful things that God gives to us is peace? So many times where you know, I'm facing a problem and I'm praying to God, God, I'm fearful. God, this, this issue is freaking me out. And to be honest, there are days where even as a pastor, I feel so overwhelmed. And I have to get back on my knees again and go, God, I can't do this. I never could do this. It's only by your grace that I am able to do, I'm able to lead, I'm able to preach. God, you're going you're gonna to tell me how do I fix this issue? How do I counsel this person? And many times before the answer comes, peace comes. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, and we cry out to God and the problem is still there. But then peace comes. Because sometimes it's so important to have the peace of God first. And it's in the peace of God that we're able to piece together, uh, get it, a solution. Amen? By the grace of God. And so, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, turn to your neighbor and say, every, every spiritual blessing. God has blessed us with every Sometimes we look at ourselves and go like, how come that person's more talented? How come this person, how come I don't feel as holy? I don't feel as eloquent when I pray. God has blessed us equally with every 
we got to understand this and allow not what we see to, to, to shape our identity in Christ, but to allow God's Word to shape our identity in Him. Amen? And then it also has, you know, it says there that, you know, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we are united with Christ. That's another thing that God speaks over us, unity. Unity over His church, unity between God and His people. Unity is so important because the truth is this, we don't always feel like we're close to God. But God is saying that it's not about how you feel, it's about the fact that we are united. It doesn't matter how you feel, we're united. I don't feel close, but we're united. I feel so alone, but we're united. Start speaking God's unity over your life. Unity not just with friends and church, but unity with Christ. Let's go on. What other things have God spoken over us, given to us? Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. So God's chosen us. You are God's loved and chosen people. Chosen us to be holy and without fault in His eyes. This is such a powerful word, without fault. Again, going back to identity, we are shaped by the things given to us, things thrown our way. And I might not know your family background, but I've ministered to people that come from broken families, that grew up thinking that they are the reason. It is their fault that their parents split up. It is their fault that their family is suffering. I minister to people who grew up in families where they have siblings with special needs and they think that it's their fault, that, that it's not fair that their parents having to look after someone with needs. Now, it's their fault that, that their need for studies and their need for other things are costing their parents you know, uh, more headache. But this is what God says, it's not your fault. You might say, it's my fault and that shapes your identity. But God says, it's not your fault. When I see you, I don't see fault. So the next time, you know, when you look at the mirror, just, just confidence say, there's no fault in this. Amen? And then put on your makeup. No, I'm just joking. And God decided in advance to adopt us. You know, when I became a Christian, I began to love the word adoption more and more and more. You know, in, 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 again, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. On planet Earth, if I were to tell you, hey, you're adopted. You're going to freak out. Nobody wants your parents to, to call you into their room one day and go like, girl, uh, now that you're 21 and you're an adult, we, we, we need to tell you something. There is a reason why uh, you have always felt different. And then you go like, no, 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 no. And then it feels like time has so down. You are adopted. And you go like, no. But when God says you are adopted, it's beautiful. You see, people who adopt know what they're getting into. People who adopt don't go like, ooh, I hope the baby doesn't find out. People who adopt go like, this baby will eventually find out one day, but I'm going to love this child like my own. I know this child is not my own. I know this child doesn't share my DNA. I know this child could even have problems. You know, we have an amazing couple in Acts Church KL. It's a couple from, from, from Germany. Gert and Doris, and they are living saints. They are absolutely living saints. You know, I'm not worthy to untie their sandals. They, you know, they are, they are a couple, not young. They are, they've, got, they've had kids of their own. They are older. You know, he, they look very young because they're very fit. Uh, it could be, I don't know what else uh, uh, that they eat and drink, but they're definitely very healthy. Uh, but they're, they're definitely at least in their 50s, if not even older than that. And they chose to recently adopt a baby. The baby's name is Samuel. 
who was born with problems, born uh, premature and basically left to die by their parents uh, because the parents were illegal migrants in, in the country. And so born and left there and the baby had problems breathing. The baby had problems eating. In fact, the doctors were so concerned that this baby, even though still alive, could be brain dead because when the baby was born, he couldn't breathe and you know how oxygen and the brain, you know, it all goes together. And yet, when they saw this child out of compassion, they took this child in, nursed this child back to health. The doctors, doctors are saying, give up, not worth your time. It's more humane to let the baby die. Yet, they believe that it's the right thing to let the baby live. And they nursed the baby, and the baby became healthier, became stronger, lived longer. The, the doctors didn't even give the baby a month. The baby grew and grew up into years. You know, of course, eventually, uh, when they were able to find a, a better family, there was another family in, in Canada that wanted this child. Uh, so they, they brought everything, made the transition, but, but without that same standard of care, the baby passed on to be with the Lord. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that this couple, like I said, living saints, knew what they were getting themselves into when they adopted. They knew about the sleepless nights. They knew about the pain. They knew about the, the cost. God knows. Sometimes we think, that God can never love someone like me. God knows. God cannot be deceived. He knows that there is a defect in our DNA called sin. He knows that we are fallen. He knows that we're sinner. He knows that we're inconsistent. Yet the Word of God says that He decided in advance to adopt you. That speaks of the perfect love of God. I mean, allow that truth to define you. You know, we can walk around going like, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not loved. I'm not talented. You know, the, the come to church, the pastor doesn't know my name. I do. <laughs> Make it a point to know everyone's name. You know, uh, but no, no, no. Even if, even if that is all true, doesn't change the fact that God has adopted you. Amen. Let's move on. This is what He wanted to do. Again, this is what He wanted bringing us to Himself through Jesus, and He gave Him great pleasure. When God looks at you, He sees great pleasure. I don't always feel like I'm pleasing God. doesn't change the fact that God sees. Sometimes He sees into our future. He sees our best self and, and becomes our ultimate cheerleader, cheering us, rooting us, you know, guiding our path so that we can get there. Amen? So come on, point number one, you know, allow God's truth, what God has given you, spoken over you, to shape your identity. Point number two, Let's watch clip number two and I'll be back. If you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. We are also shaped by the things taken away from us. How many of us have been shaped by or affected by bad experiences when we had things taken away, opportunities taken away, you know, relationships taken away? You know, I know one of the things that shaped my father was the fact that opportunities were taken away from him. And that shaped him to become the man that he is. Because he would say that, you know what, I didn't have an opportunity, I didn't have a chance, I didn't have a choice even, you know, to go to university. I had to go out and get a job the moment I finished high school. Because I had other siblings to support, because your grandfather had a gambling habit. And, you know, that affected him, that hurt him, that 
colored his perception of the world, that shaped and warped his identity, but it also made him, in a way, a very sacrificial father. And so when he had an opportunity, and when it was his turn to become a father, he made sure that I would have the very thing that was taken away from him. That while he had no opportunities, he would do his best, work as hard as he can to give me those opportunities. And, and we are shaped, man, not just by the positive things spoken of us, but sometimes negative things. Sometimes God causes and allows things to be taken away from our lives so that it shapes our character, it shapes our personality, it makes us tougher, it makes us more resilient. And so I want to also, I know, when we talk about stuff taken away, it gets really somber in the room, you know, and then you start thinking, oh no, the relationships that they'll work out and stuff like that. But again, maybe we need to start looking at it, not just from life's perspective, but from God's perspective. Maybe God took it away because it wasn't right for you. Maybe God took it away because it would have hurt you in the long run, even though you don't see it because you haven't experienced it, and God actually spared you a tragedy. But whatever it is, let's also look at, if we were to, in a way, point our finger at God for every good thing, supposed good thing that He has taken from our lives, then we must also look at you know, the other things that He has taken our lives. Fair is fair. So let's go to the Word of God, Romans chapter 8. Verse 1 to 4. Let's look at what else God has taken from our lives. And again, with the help of the New Living Translation, for at least this passage, it says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you know that God has taken away condemnation? Condemnation is big weight, like this rock that's tied to your neck that the moment you fail, the moment you do the very thing that you know you're not supposed to do, it hangs on you and makes you feel like you want to die. That's condemnation. That you're a piece of nothing. But the good news is this, God has taken that away. I mean, don't blame God for, oh God, you took this away, but He's also taken some really evil things away. And that's a good thing. Condemnation. So there's a difference now because when, now when we do fail, it's no longer condemnation that comes over us. It's conviction. Conviction from the Holy Spirit that says that you can do better. That you can pick yourself up again. Condemnation says you're a loser. Give up. You're good for nothing. Conviction says you can do better. Now try again. So that's number one. God has taken away condemnation. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Do you know the other thing that God has taken away is the power of sin. At one time, you couldn't help but be selfish, self-centered. You know, some, I had an opportunity recently at Holmes, and uh, praise God, you know, last, last week we had Holmes, it was a good one. And uh, in case some of you don't know Holmes, or small groups, but uh, uh, by faith, we sneakily launched a fifth location. So we actually had Angel Holmes, you know, um, is just in case you don't understand, angels are placed in London. It doesn't mean all the people that are angels. In fact, we had a good time of sharing because some very honest sharing came out and go like, yeah, we were talking about how God has changed us. One of the people shared like, yeah, no, before I, I accepted Christ, before I knew Jesus, I would, I, I couldn't help, I couldn't help, the person said, I couldn't help but swear all the time. And mind you, this is not a guy who said that, it was a girl. And everybody looked at that person and go like, 
are we looking at the same person? I couldn't help. And the person said, I don't even know what's at work. The power of sin. I couldn't help but, but, but swear. I couldn't help but be angry. I couldn't help but you know, push my siblings down. But the moment Christ entered, the power of sin removed. Good news, friends. The power of sin, if you know Jesus, the power of sin has been removed. Now, for every temptation, God creates an exit. In the past, when there was a temptation, you couldn't help but jump in because that was your nature. But now God has placed in you a different nature, a holy nature. It says here, the life-giving spirit now lives in you because God has taken away the power of sin. Praise God. Let's read on. Verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Like I said, you know, God's law is good. Don't kill, don't steal. But before we know Jesus, we couldn't help it. We still hated people. We still stole. We still did all the things, even though we know that we shouldn't do it. Why? Because of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in the body, like the bodies we sinners have in a human body. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control. Come on, learn to speak to your soul. Sin does not have control anymore. God's taken away sin's control. Amen? Over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. It's only by Jesus, by what He has done, that we even have this freedom. He did this so that the just requirement of the law will be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So what God is trying to tell us is this. Look, I've taken away, you know, your imperfection. I've taken away your ability to not control yourself. And now I've put a new nature in you. Amen? And I pray that we will not just look at what we don't have. A lot of people do that. Oh, I'm not as pretty. I don't have, you perceive, I don't have this world's standard of beauty. I don't have this world's standard of wealth. I don't have this world's standard of success. I don't have this opportunity. I don't have, but just because you don't have and just because life has taken away some stuff doesn't mean that it's all bad. God has also taken away and God has taken away some really nasty stuff and we are better because of it and allow God to shape our identity. Amen? Point number three, let's look at this clip and then I'll come back. We are shaped by the choices we make. We had a scene where Spider-Man was trapped under the building. Help! We have a choice where we can either play the victim card, help! Allow the past Allow what has been taken away from us to replay. As he there staring in his own reflection, the words spoken, if you're nothing without a suit, you don't deserve it. But then he made a choice. Come on, Peter. He made a choice. Come on, Peter. He made a choice. Come on, Spider-Man. Come on, Spider-Man. Come on, Spider-Man. In the same way, God is looking at us and go like, I've blessed you and I've taken some nasty bits away from you, but you still need to make the daily decisions, the choices. And even though we can't always see it up in heaven, God is saying, come on. Come on. Come on. The Bible is clear about this. Let's go to some scripture. And let's see how 
and what the Bible talks about our daily decision and how God factors in. As God is our biggest cheerleader, He is also our biggest teacher. He is also our biggest coach. He's not just there by the wayside cheering us on, come on, come on. He's also the coach that going like helping us train our muscles so that we start making the right decisions, the right choices, right? I mean, I don't need to spell it out for you. We are shaped by the choices we make. If that's not clear enough, let's go to some very clear scriptures in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Even the Bible tells this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. This is common sense, God is saying that. Don't deceive yourself and go like, no, 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 it's not my fault. It's, I'm, I'm the way I am because the world is unfair. I'm the way I am because opportunities are not given to me. I hate everything. And God says, don't be deceived. Don't, 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 don't pull a mockery. Don't mock God. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Your choices matter. Could it be that some of us are in our predicament now because of the choices that we have made? So what is God's solution? Start making better choices. Start realizing that the, the, the turning point, you know, for God to intervene is that we've got to come to the end of ourselves. We've got to come to this realization that we're really incomplete without God, that we're really sinners that are incapable of helping ourselves. And God's Word spells this out in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Is it okay if we look into some verses? Yeah. Amen. There's a way that seems right to a man, but, it ends, but its end is the way of death. And the Bible is trying to tell us the deceitfulness of man's plan. Sometimes we, you know, we, you might take away and go, okay, 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 so I'm going to make the best choices now. And unknowingly, we, we look to the world. We look to, you know, oh, I, I need to make the right choices now so that I can reap uh, in the future, you know, so we look to internet, we look to YouTube and the gurus there, we look to our friends, you know, and sometimes, you know, we know this, those of us who have worked or are, are still working, uh, there's always fears of like things like financial stability and sometimes the, the friends around us don't help, always comparing, always saying things like, no, oh, have you invested money, how much money do you have, blah, 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 and sometimes out of pressure, we look to the internet and that's where scams can even happen. You know, we look to get rich quick schemes and then we, we fall prey to that. You know, but God is saying that, look, you got to understand that man's ways will always lead to death. So, what's left? God's way. God's way. Let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs is beautiful. It's full of wisdom. Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way but the Lord directs His steps. And again, God has seen it. It's not just man's way, man's ideas that are incomplete. Even our heart can be deceitful. What does the world say? No, let your heart lead you. Lead with your heart. And that's why we get into all the wrong relationships because we lead with our heart. And God is saying that all your heart is also deceitful. You got to look to God because it is Him who directs your steps. You want to make the right choices? Look to God who directs your steps. I know the next question, Pastor, so deep. What does direct his steps mean? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. And this is how God directs your steps. How? By trusting in the Lord with all your heart. 
Because if you trusted your own heart, it will lead you astray. But when you trust God with your heart, it leads to life. And lean not on your own understanding. Earlier on, we talked about understanding and, and ideas. And I'm not saying that throughout common sense. But don't lean on it. Do your research. Do your due diligence. But don't lean on it. Lean on God. Right? Don't let pride take over. Lean on it. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. I love it how sometimes God is so straightforward and His steps are so simple. The problem is we don't follow. It says here, in all your ways, not some your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Let's, let's, let's take a moment and go like acknowledge. Acknowledge. What's acknowledge? How do you acknowledge? When you walk into a room, you see a friend in the other corner, you go like, hey, sup? That's acknowledgement. And could it be that God is simplifying His word to go like, do you know that all you needed to do was to acknowledge me in all your ways? Sometimes we think that, oh no, I need to seek God. I need to go to a very holy mountain, climb up there and fast 40 days, 40 nights and then hear from the voice of God. And God is saying that, no, 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 acknowledge me. So the next time you have a bill that you need to pay, don't just go like, oh no, how, how, how? Call your parents, call the bank. No, 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 acknowledge God. Go like, God, what's up? God, what's up with this? And then allow God to speak. The next time you face an issue with your studies, don't just go like, oh no, what the lecturer say? Oh no, my notes. Oh no, I got one night to write 5,000 word essay. Ah! God, what's up? God, how, what, what's the next step, God? I know I messed up. I'm so sorry. But I also know that you adopted me knowing full well in advance what a screw up I am. <laughs> so God, by your grace and your mercy, what's up? What's up with this paper? What's up with this failure? God, what's up? And God is saying, all you need to do is just a what's up and I will direct your paths. Pastor, how can it be? It sounds too simple. We're here for some deep teaching. Why don't you try living it out first? And God is saying, hey, come on, you're not acknowledging me. We acknowledge God when the problems occur, not when the situation arises. Right? We've all been there when we're in a problem. God, where are you? Why have you taken this away from me? Why have you given this to me? And God says that if you only acknowledge me, when you first study, God, help me with this. And God plans your steps. God finances. How should I plan your steps? God, this, 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 this person, you know, should I go for this person? God, what's up? I still remember when I was growing up as a young Christian, I was the one, number one thing I was, I was scared of was that God would ask me to serve Him forever and send me to a faraway land that I don't speak the language. Uh, God hasn't done that, even though He has asked me to go to a faraway land, but thank God I speak the language. The second thing I'm always terrified of surrendering to God is whenever I have a crush on someone. And then the devil always sows this lie, don't tell God. Tell your friends. Tell the girl you like. Tell the guy you like, but don't tell God. Because the moment you tell God, he will take it away. But then the Word of God says that, tell God, and he will direct your paths. He might even direct your paths that you start hitting above your weight. This applies mainly to guys, you know. You know what I'm saying? Hitting above your... Okay. Come and talk to me after service, I'll, I'll fill it in. <laughs> it means dating a girl that you don't deserve. Uh, otherwise known as God's grace. Anyway, so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a beneficiary of that, you know. Exhibit number one. Okay, so... <laughs> one last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 
See, knowing all this is all good, but what is still the next step? The Word of God says this, Therefore now, whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's how you acknowledge God. God, how can my studies glorify you? God, how can my, this job glorify you? Today, God is saying that you don't need to pray and go, oh, show me signs and wonders. Just ask God this. God, does this relationship glorify you? No, don't step into it. Does this job glorify you? No, don't step into it. Does, is this holiday going to glorify you? No, don't step into it. Is this ministry going to glorify you? No, you're serving enough. You don't need this extra thing because you're only pumping up your ego. Get out. In all you do, Jesus breaks it down so simple. In all you do means in all you do. Eating, drinking, the basic stuff even babies do. What more? The more advanced stuff like paying our bills. God is saying in all that you do, how you pay your taxes, does it glorify God? What time you go to class, does it glorify God? Ooh, getting more real. What you do at work, whether you take one hour lunch break or one hour and 30 minutes lunch break, does it glorify God? When you leave work, does it glorify God? When you arrive work, does it glorify God? How you talk to your boss, does it glorify God? When you go to a restaurant and eat and treat the waiters there at Nando's, does it glorify God? When you ask for more tap water, does it glorify God? The way you ask it, does it glorify God? How you pay your bills, does it glorify God? Amen? So I pray that this will help us to get a good grip of who we are. Because we can either allow the chaos of life to shape us, or allow God's truth to shape us. And I pray that we will allow God's truth to shape our identity so that we don't just have a decent identity, we have a good identity. Let's pray. Amen. Father Lord, we thank you for your word. It is life-changing. It is life-giving. And God, right now, I just want to pray for everyone here, God. The world is looking for answers, and many times we are still looking for answers. God, what is your plan for me? God, what's your purpose? But today I pray that we will begin to apply your word. And God, help us not just to be defined by what blessings the world has given us, but what blessings you have given us. Lord, help us not to replay the negative in our lives. God, would you deliver people here? God, would you eject that tape that we have been rewinding in our minds for far too long? Friends, I know I've been there. When I was growing up, I was constantly told, not smart enough, not smart enough. Maybe he should have gone for another job, you know, become a mechanic, become a, uh, this, a street vendor. But then don't just look at what the world says, but look at what God has taken away. God has taken away the power of sin. God has taken away death. God has taken away condemnation. Yes, we might fail, but God has also given us a second chance. And let's be shaped and understand that the choices we make, everything, every decision, not just our public life, but especially our private life, the decisions, the honour we give to God in the secret place shapes who we are. And may we glorify God in whatever that we do. God, I just want to pray healing over my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who have allowed their past hurts to shape their identity, who have allowed the ugly, dirty, 
negative words, lies, abuse heaped over them. Right now, I pray, Lord, that you would take all that away in the name of Jesus. Take away the pain, take away the shame, take away that memory, or at least take away the power of that memory so that it doesn't have power over our lives. And God, and may this moment onwards, may we live, may we start building our identity, shaping our identity, crafting ourselves after you. Not after the world, but after you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.